You know what? In movies in the 1980s, guys with mullets all die. Because I had said in a previous podcast that I liked it. I think what you said was, I like Jamie Lee Curtis's boobs. <laughs> I think I saw it. I was probably 16 years old. And so, yeah, that checks out. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've all seen Trading Places. Am I right? And I think that that elevates a, a fairly mediocre film to being something that's worth going back and revisiting years later because it just looks awesome. Welcome to a fun and wide-ranging discussion about the <laughs> benefits of multivitamins. <laughs> Is that not what we're doing tonight? <laughs> I can make that a topic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, give her time. She can come up with that. Welcome. This is the Fright Club podcast. She is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf, And we are from MadWolf.com. Back at the beautiful Gateway Film Center, Columbus, Ohio, where we are the second Wednesday of every month doing Fright Club Live. Apologies again for missing it last time. That's right. He's here today. I am. That's exciting. It was nice of me to show up. (laughs) But I heard you had a very cool presentation last time in my absence. We did. Uh, Chris Hamill came down and he told us all about projection and 70 millimeter and 35 millimeter and he gave out film strips. What do you got for us? What are you giving us? I got buttons. You got buttons. Yeah. Okay. If you don't have a button, by the way, come down after. We'll give you buttons. So Welcome. We're back to the uh, October edition. Everybody feeling all Halloweeny, and uh, yeah, always. This is the month to be frightful, and we're glad you are sharing it with us as we talk about vehicular, vehicular horror. So, anything to hit on besides thanking Chris again from last month? Get some good uh, feedback on last month's podcast at all, or did it just lay there? It just laid there because you weren't here. There was no you. Well, so we didn't record the podcast here, <laughs> right. although we did do amusements. Yeah. Right. And uh, driving home, I remembered the one that I kept forgetting to put on there and I didn't put on there, which was Carnival of Souls, which clearly needed to be on there. So my apologies yep. to yep. everyone. I'm sorry. <laughs> and we want to say uh, we actually in the, in the last couple of weeks, we guested on some other podcasts that are coming up here soon. We're going to be a guest on uh, Steph Grigor's Rewrite podcast Correct. he said that's where we take a movie that we thought could have been better and give some recommendations for rewriting it originally we wanted to do bohemian rhapsody i know people love that movie we don't but <laughs> the hosts of that podcast loved that movie so they said no that's right <laughs> so we're going to talk about uh, godzilla king of the monsters that's correct and uh give a few recommendations for that and then we're going to be on speak easily with krista that's right uh, which was a lot of fun it was fun uh there was no uh plan we just we just talked about shit. Yeah. That was so, I don't know why you would want to hear that, but that's <laughs> what it is. No, it's actually it's a fun podcast, and I'm sure they'll <laughs> they'll make us sound as, as smart and, and hip as they possibly can. So <laughs> good, good luck. luck on that. Exactly. <laughs> Thanks for that. And we're looking forward already to, let's see, what are we, next month, next month's edition yeah. of Fright Club Live. November 13th will be the date. Yep. And we're going to talk about traveling abroad. That's right. And we're going to show them, not the scary ants them, the 2006 Traveling Abroad Them, which, if you haven't seen it, is just incredibly tense, tight, spare cat and mouse game of mean children. Yeah. So, uh, and of course, as we get to October, November, December, that means it's about to turn the calendar. And right here on Fright Club, live tonight, we're going to spill the 2020 Fright Club lineup. We are. All 12 movies. That's right. Where we're going to. I'm not going to do it right now. We're no. going to make you listen to the whole damn podcast right. before we tell you that. <laughs> we're teasing. We're evil. Yeah. So, <laughs> all right. So, we're talking about vehicular horror. We are. I don't know why the car with James Brolin didn't make this list. 
that's that's a problem. But uh, we'll have to take it up with the judges. What else kind of skirted around the uh, final list and didn't make it? Well, what I ended up doing was I kind of have one movie for every sort of subcategory. So I was thinking planes, trains, and automobiles. And when I saw, when I put together like a list of all the possibilities there, it was overpowering to me. Mm -hmm. So I I kind of broke it down by subcategory and picked the best of each category. So we're going to start with planes. Yeah, because you found there's a lot of trains. The trains are the best. They're also the worst, which is the best kind. There are so many batshit, insane, ridiculous horror movies set on trains. It was, it was very fun to remember. Yeah, we all. were talking in Happy Hour about Terror Train because uh, who watched it? Who watched that? It was, it was Dizak watched it because I had said in a previous podcast that I liked it. I think what you said was, I like Jamie Lee Curtis's boobs. <laughs> and if that's Me? not what you said outright, that's what that? we all heard. Because <laughs> I remembered it was... <laughs> I think I saw it. I was probably 16 years old. And so, yeah, that checks out. Mm -hmm. My apologies, uh, DZAC, if it wasn't up to those standards. (laughs) And I I mean the film, not Jamie Lee Curtis's boobs. Because we've all seen Trading Places and we know. (laughs) But we're getting off topic. Or maybe we're on the topic. We should be. (laughs) So, yeah, there's a lot of trains, a lot of bad trains. But uh, we're going, hey, welcome. Come on in. So it's cars, tanks. We have tanks. No, we don't. We have planes, trains, and automobiles. Okay, good enough. Good enough. So we'll start with planes, right? Yep. It is number five from mm-hmm. 1983. It's actually one part of four horror and science fiction segments directed by four famous directors. Each of them bring a new version to a classic story from the Twilight Zone. Twilight Zone, the movie. There was somebody out there. You've got to believe me. I saw him green and slimy. Leave the poor man alone. You've got to deal with him. It was lightning. At first I thought it was an animal, some kind of bird or something, but it was a man. There was, was flames coming out of the engine, and then a, a flash, and, and smoke. Maybe it was a technician who was caught in the plane when, when it t- took off. My God, how did he survive out there? The air's too thin, the, the, the blast of the wind. It's... So cold. It's impossible, isn't it? I think we both had forgotten in looking this up that this segment was directed by George Miller. We had forgotten that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Who else had forgotten? A lot of people, I could tell. Yeah. yeah. One of the reasons that I love that that scene is it's just chaos, which is what I was totally looking for. Um, I'm uh, I'm not a strong flyer, and it's, <laughs> it's mainly. <laughs> That I'm claustrophobic, and it's really just a, it's just a metal tube of death hurtling far into the sky, and you can't escape unless you do what he does, which is just shoot the glass. <laughs> and I love that, and I love he just, whoo, he's there, he's through the window, uh, and then he's fine, right? He's like, I can totally take aim at this beast because there's definitely enough air for me to breathe up here. But um, I love the, the old ladies screaming inside. I love the people just jumping on each other. I love... Just John Lithgow in like a cat fight. That's hilarious to well, me. Well, first of all, let's let's back up because she had not taken an airplane ride. And we, we were dating by the time she had taken her first airplane ride. And so we were going to Florida. I was somebody's mom. By the time you'd taken the first pl- yes. plane ride? Yeah. Anyway, when she gets on that plane, she figured that there were, once we got up there, there would be, it would absolutely be motionless. You know why? Because be in no... movies, that doesn't, it just seems like a room. It's just like you're in a room. <laughs> so it didn't go well. 
is what out. I'm saying. And it it's gotten go a little out. bit better, but she white knuckles it, definitely. Yeah. It never turned out as badly as this. <laughs> and this one, of course, is based on the classic episode with William Shatner. That's right. And that guy in a bear suit. <laughs> I mean, it might as well be the guy from The Shining, yeah. really, out on, out on the, the wing of that plane. Looking to get lucky. <laughs> and what was great, uh, apparently, early on, Shatner was in talks to reprise the role oh, wow. of this. Uh, and it didn't work out. And John Lithgow's great. He is great. And then... And unlike Shatner, he can act. <laughs> yeah, I know. Ooh, it got cold in here. But uh, but then later, years later, on uh, when John Lithgow had that TV show, Third Rock from the Sun, and they, they always talked about their uh, supreme being, the big giant head. Toward the end of the series, Shatner came on and played the big giant head, oh, the leader. Okay. And they made some homages, some some uh, jokes about this this segment, which is... Really the standout of the, uh, I think, of all of them. They improve so much upon the creature, obviously. Yes. And it's a lot more tense, and you're right, he's, he's great in the role. And it also features Rod Serling's widow okay. has a cameo in this. She's was the, she the old lady right behind him screaming? No, she okay. wasn't. She was the one, when they, when they things first start uh, getting going, and she asked the uh, flight attendants, is, is there something wrong? Oh, that's, yeah. Yeah, that's Carol Serling. I like this one um, the best because... It connects it, you know, the, the prologue and the epilogue yeah, yeah, yeah. is connected through his character. Right, right, yeah. The, the prologue and the epilogue are my, epilogue are my favorite, actually, yeah. elements of this. I just think they're very funny, but um, but this is a great one, too, because it's basically what I assume is going to happen every time I'm on a plane. <laughs> <laughs> and I love how at the, at the, and when they finally, the creature, you know, gives him a little mm-hmm. finger right up to the face. Mm-hmm. I thought it was very cool. From Twilight Zone, the movie Nightmare at 20,000 Feet. So what else? You had some others down here as far as airplane. Yeah, or... so, yeah. The, it was it was in the running with with Red Eye, which mainly is good because Killian Murphy is dreamy. Other than that, Red Eye doesn't really hold up that well. <laughs> Final Destination. That was another. That was another one. Quarantine too, which is which is terrible if you have it. It's, it's quarantine on an airplane, and then of course clearly snakes on a plane. None of them are very strong contenders, really. So I think this was the clear winner in that group. Yeah, no doubt. So that's number five in our list of vehicular. Or let's move it on up to number four. This is also from 1983. I know. Quite a year. A nerdish boy buys a strange car with an evil mind of its own, and his nature starts to change to reflect it. It's Christine. She is Christine, a 1958 Plymouth Fury, possessed by hell. Once she lures you behind the wheel, you will be hers, body and soul. There is no place you can hide, no place you can run, and nothing you can do can stop her. Because how do you kill something that can't possibly be alive? Christine, body by Plymouth, soul by Satan. You know what? In movies in the 1980s, guys with mullets all die. <laughs> it's um, it's rampant. It's it is. <laughs> this was. I'll ask you. Do you know why the car was called Christine? I don't. Here's some trivia for you. Because of Christine Romero, George Romero's wife. Okay. Uh, Stephen King was filming Creepshow with the Romeros in Pittsburgh at the time that he was dreaming up this idea. Mm-hmm. So he called the car Christine. All right. There you go. There were a lot of car movies, including, of course. The car with uh, <laughs> with Brolin and Brolin's hair. 
death proof. That's a good one. Yeah. And uh, and the hearse, which is basically the car, except it's it's a hearse. But this seemed like the you know this seemed like the iconic version. And of course, you know Stephen King and John Carpenter. And um, I don't love this movie to be honest with you, but there are elements of it that I think are are pretty great. And I really do love Keith Gordon who plays Arnie. Yes. I think that he does such a great job with some pretty hackneyed dialogue, mm-hmm. which is like when you know how is she coming along, Cherry? He says, and it's like. Who just said that? That nerdy guy didn't just say that. I mean, I really love him in this movie. John Stockwell, not so much. Alexandra Paul, who plays his girlfriend. Oh, she's a piece of shit actress, isn't she? <laughs> I'm sure she's a very nice Wait, person. I, but thank she's... you. You got to follow it up with that. <laughs> she's distractingly terrible, I think, in this movie. Apparently, too, it was Keith Gordon's idea to, if you notice, the farther his character gets possessed, he starts dressing more and more like the 50s. Oh, yeah. To reflect the era of the car, which I thought was a nice little nice little ode. I mean, you'll see filmmakers do that a lot, maybe with color changes or things like that to reflect a mood or, or, or reflect uh, something that's changing in the movie. But that's a nicely, not not that overt way, that maybe not, not everyone's going to catch it, but a nice little way to, to show how he's molding with the car, right. I guess. I mean, at the same time, just getting hipper, right? He's, he goes from being, a, he's got masking tape on his glasses yeah. to being like, you know, the cool guy in the black exactly. leather jacket. Apparently his eyesight increases during the, the course of the possession as well. <laughs> well, that does. It's, yeah. it's, isn't that a, a known fact that demonic possession improves your eyesight? And that might be true. The, and this was shot, a lot of this was shot in the same neighborhood that uh, John Carpenter used for Halloween yeah. a few years earlier, which, yeah, you can You can definitely tell. see yeah. it, yeah. It's a cool-looking car, and I think that maybe everybody's favorite is when she's on fire and she's just coming anyway. That's what I think the film makes up for in a lot of its you know, the dialogue and some of the acting is weak. It just, again, being a Carpenter film, it just looks amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and you feel like every element of that, of what you were seeing on screen and what the characters are wearing and what the car is doing and what it looks like, because I know that they use like three different types of car. They weren't all the 57 Fury, but they painted them all and they detailed them specifically so that they could, they could do a headshot in this image, yeah. you know? And, and I think that that elevates a, a fairly mediocre film being something that's worth going back and revisiting years later because it just looks awesome. And it's a perfect use of bad to the bone. <laughs> <laughs> it really is. It is. Which I guess, um, according to the, the DVD uh, commentary, George Thorogood and the screenwriter, uh, Bill Phillips, filmed uh, a cameo where they played the junkyard guys who actually are on hand when it, Christine is you know, boxed up. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they both were such terrible actors that they didn't use it. Which... They were probably drunk. I don't know. I've heard George likes to drink alone. Oh, so. that's true. I prefer to be by myself. Ooh, that was bad. <laughs> that was bad. So that is Christine from 1983, number four on our vehicular horror list, and that moves it up to number three. Now we're getting yes. a little, little bit more recent from 2015. The sun-drenched days of summer turn dark and ominous for a hitchhiking duo when they become inexplicably entangled with a mysterious married couple and a local roadkill collector in rural France, Road Games. It feels like we've been hitching forever. They find a body close to here in last week's young man. It's kind of freaky. I was just looking for Veronique. Your friend is gone. What do you mean she's gone? What have they done? They told me you had left. Oh, 
wanted to have something in here that probably you hadn't seen. But also, I wanted to have a car chase movie, uh, like a hitchhiker or a car chase, not just like the, the vehicle itself, but the actual chase. And, actually, and I think that these were probably the strongest contenders, the list of possible car chase movies. But I like this one because, A, Barbara Crampton, right? Yes. We all love her. Don't yes. we all just love her? Yes. Um, and, and it is really twisty. Like, you, as soon as you think you figured it out, you definitely haven't. And then there's, like, a third act. What the fuck? And it's just, um, <laughs> and it does. I mean, you can tell from the trailer. It looks great. And I think all of the performances are, are a lot better than maybe you would have expected for, you know, a pretty low-budget horror flick. I was completely enthralled the entire film because I honestly had no idea what to expect next. Uh, so I thought this, this was a really fun movie. Yeah, and it came out in 2015. It started filming in 2014, but uh, the writer-director, Abner Pastol, originally had the idea in the summer of 2001. He was traveling in France, and he said he was staying in a creepy mansion, and he started to form the idea and You're just right. rewrote different drafts and actually didn't get it on the page and then finally get it, uh, start filming almost 15 years later. Uh, and I think you're right about the twist. It kind of reminded me in some instances of uh, the one with why am I uh, the one with Plum? Was it the with a friend the, like Harry? Yeah, you know anybody totally seen with a friend see like Harry? Oh, you it's should. Not it's not a brilliant. horror movie. It's so but, great. Uh, yeah, it's a real clever oh, it's so thriller. Great. And it Plum. Her yeah. girlfriend's name is Plum. That's awesome. It reminded me uh, the twist and the and the fact that it's just a very few number of people involved. Yeah, kind of reminded me of uh, reminded me of that one. Yeah, the it's it's contenders, Jeepers Creepers. That's a oh yeah, that's a classic car chase yeah. movie. Duel, obviously. Yeah, Duel. We talked about that for a while because go back and forth about whether Duel is, of course, not. the one directed by Steven Spielberg, one of the very first things he directed, and uh, it's mainly a TV movie. I think technically it did get a theatrical release here and there, maybe abroad. You can find different. Uh, different facts that'll support that or, or, or not, but, uh, but we decided to leave it off. It's a lot more of a thriller, off. and I have, a, I yeah. have one on the list that's clearly a thriller, yeah. so I, but then, and, and also the other one, which is basically a, a remake of Duel, which is Joyride, mm -hmm. which I always loved. I always loved Joyride. Ted Levine, anything, anytime. Anytime that <laughs> creepy voice comes on, I'm like, I'm so happy. And then there's actually another movie called Road Games with Jamie Lee Curtis and her breasts and Stacey Keach, which is really fun. It's all about meat. It's very unsettling. It's an Australian horror film. I like that one a lot, too. And, of course, the classic Race with the Devil, which isn't a car. It's a big camper. <laughs> it's a camper. It's, it's a campery. That's it's, great. Yeah, so those were the, those were the uh, contenders, but I went with this one because I just, I just really enjoyed it and kind of wanted to watch it again. So. Perfect. Well, that's Road Games, number three on the list of vehicular horror. Moving it up to number two, it is a Trans-Siberian train journey from China to Moscow. Becoming a thrilling chase of deception and murder when an American couple encounters a mysterious pair of fellow travelers from 2008, Trans-Siberian. This is Ilya Grinko, detective. Who are the bad guys? People who look innocent, but are really not. They add special chemical to heroin, mold it into objects. They pay much money for this. What are these? Did you buy them? Carlos. Gave these to you? No, he didn't. Oh, God! Your wife has problems with the truth. What do you want? You have your drugs. You're not a detective! Let's go. They'll kill us. Yes, a door! Ah! Take responsibility! Where is it? Trans-Siberian. I love when Woody Harrelson plays a goob. 
it's, you know, he's like, oh, honey, you're awake. Look yeah, at he my has... wireframe glasses and blonde wig. But he... he's so funny and cute when he does that. He has said in interviews around the time this came out that he based the character on uh, Woody from Cheers if he was on the spectrum. <laughs> okay. And really into trains. <laughs> yeah, he is, he is kind of a goop. This is writer-director Brad Anderson yeah. from The Machinist. Session 9. And session 9. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this was one I think even fans of, of his work kind of slipped through the cracks. Yeah, and it's not, it isn't technically a horror film. It really isn't. It's a thriller, but it's so good. It's so smart, and it's it's so, you know, tense. And also, Kate Mara, with all that eyeliner, she's clearly a villain. Come on, <laughs> you let her in your cabin. <laughs> One of the reasons it slipped through the cracks is because it opened uh, the same weekend as The Dark Knight. Oh, yeah, a couple people saw that one. A couple people, yeah. yeah. So you'd think it would get some spillover when they, <laughs> they were sold-out shows, but, but I guess not. It's got all sorts of references. Um, from uh, other movies like North by Northwest, Strangers on a Train, Lady Vanishes, uh, a lot of train movies yeah. in that one. Even uh, even Dead Calm, which I know wasn't a train, but still the kind of uh, the kind of mood it sets. So. Right, and it's funny. It's mainly about Emily Mortimer's character, who who just you know they're like missionaries. You know, do you want to take a plane? No, no. She totally wants to just take a train. Although you know, she clearly is like, why am I married to this guy? Like, what <laughs> in the hell am I doing here? And it's interesting to watch. How the movie uh, like works with that. Emily Mortimer is great. She's always really very solid in everything. Oh yeah, it's a good and she good does cast. A, she does a really good job of anchoring the movie and making bad decisions that you understand why she's making them. But but it's really it's really the small players around her. Ben Kingsley is brilliant, of course. He always, is. yeah. Um, and and the way again, you know, the the way the movie just takes these weird turns that you don't expect. It's really it's very smart. It's 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 unexpected and just one of those riveting tense movies. That makes the most of the the confines mm-hmm. of the of the train. Yeah, so that's a great train movie, and we've got one more great train movie to go. But we already talked about how many bad train horror movies there are out there. There are some great bad ones. There aren't very many great ones, but there's some great bad ones. Creep. Creep is a pretty good one. It's actually subway horror, as is Midnight Meat Train. Yeah. Really the subway train. Um, we've talked about that one before, though. Yep. Um, Terror Train, obviously. We have mentioned that before. We have. That's a kind of a favorite of 16-year-old George. Um, and then there are three that are so utterly bizarre that they must be seen. And, uh, and one of them is Beyond the Door 3, which is also called A Muck Train, which you'll notice if you were to watch it that they actually board a boat. Yes, for some reason, they're, they're on a train for the rest of the movie, but that's not what they board at all. Um, and then... We, uh, we night- just tore out a page of the script somehow <laughs> and right. forgot about it. <laughs> Night Train to Terror. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's a terrible title. <laughs> Such a bad movie. <laughs> oh, and then, uh, and then Christopher Lee, because he's got to be in every single movie that comes out in the 60s, 70s, and 80s, and, uh, and that's Horror Express. He's got a monster, and he has to get it someplace, so he takes it on a train, because it's not like they're confined in that space with all of these these. Well, soon to be dead people. So a lot of train movies. A lot of really bad train movies that you should watch anyway. A good one makes it the top, makes it on our list. Trans Siberian from two thousand eight. That's number two, and we're up against the clock here, so we we got to get moving. But we do want to run down the list of the Fright Club lineup for twenty twenty, which is man coming soon. And we're going to start on January eighth. We're going to talk about time loops in horror, and we're going to show resolution. So great from twenty twelve. That is such a great one. And then February, we always, we're always right around Valentine's Day. Uh, and so we're going to do date night movies, just to say the worst possible date night movies, and we're going to show teeth. Uh-huh. Guys, guys, <laughs> brace yourselves. 
And uh, in March, we're going to talk about Mad Doctors. And March 11th, it's going to be the 1960 classic Eyes Without a Face. That's right. That's our classic for next year. Yep. And then in April, we are going to do a podcast on cats, and we're going to do the the film The Voices, which is underseen and just uh, an amazing movie with Ryan Reynolds. Exactly. Uh, In May, May 13th, we're going to talk about body modification, and from 2011, The Skin I Live In, which is great. Uh, Love that one. Yeah. On June 10th, Fathers and Daughters, and meant to be seen on a big screen, we're going to see The Host uh, July, July 8th, we're going to talk about Only Children, and boy, uh, just a great one from 2016, Under the Shadow. Yeah. Great foreign film. And then in August, on August 12th, it, this one got bumped from 2019 because we wound up, wound up showing The Dead Don't Die. So we're, we've slotted the Poughkeepsie tapes in for August 12th, and the, it's going to be on Captives. Very cool. In September, September 9th, we're going to talk about Sleep and Show the Nightmare. And I'll tell you what, this is a documentary, but it's... It's one of the scariest. I mean, it'll work on you, man. Yeah. It'll yep. really, really work on you. Yep. I'm like halfway through going, I swear to God, if I have sleep paralysis after I watch this movie, because yeah. it, it does, it makes you feel like I'm giving this to you. Exactly. You have this disease now. It really and does. I was so mad. It really does. Um, it's awesome, though. Uh, and then in October, we're going to do involuntary surgery and watch Excision. Uh, next November, uh, best friends. People, let me tell you about my best friend, and we're going to show <laughs> Bedeviled. From 2010. And then uh, next December, this is a favorite of yours. This is a great movie. We're going to do animated horror, and we're going to show Fears of the Dark. Yeah, which so is that's, it's that's sort of an anthology, it's, yeah, a lot of different vignettes and yeah. different animated styles. Very, very And cool. gorgeous, and I'm excited yeah. to get to see it on the big screen. Yeah, so that's a great lineup. Well done. Thank you. Well done. That's for 2020, but uh, we've still got 2019 to take care of, and that means... We are going to take care of our number one movie tonight for vehicular horror. When a zombie virus breaks out in South Korea, passengers struggle to survive on the train from Seoul to Busan. Tonight's movie, Train to Busan. One hour and 58 minutes later... Who cried? Was it just me? Who cried? Yeah. No? All right. So, All like, right. The first time. Yeah. Richard wanted to, but he didn't. Go so, ahead. like, this is the second time I've seen this movie. And in the first time I see this movie, uh, I'm like, why on earth is this zombie movie making me cry? <laughs> in the end, I'm like, hello. <laughs> right? Oh, my God. The, that little girl just guts me. That was one of the best zombie movies I've ever seen. It's so good. It was one of the best zombie movies I've ever seen, I actually found myself wanting and cheering for the characters and yeah. getting much more invested than I normally do in a zombie movie. And I've never wanted a movie character to die so bad <laughs> in my life. What do you think? What did you think? Absolutely awesome. It's one of the best films I've seen this year. Forget about zombies or anything else. I, I mean, this is just a... An amazing testament to the Korean cinema. Yeah. This is just an incredible accomplishment, I think. Yeah. We were talking a second ago about how it got some similarities with the host, which we're going to show next year. And a lot of it is about a, a father having to redeem himself in sort of an apocalyptic situation through his daughter, which I think is an interesting theme. I, I was uh, skeptical. There's, it would take a lot to crack my favorite zombie films list, which is a really short list. But a friend of mine actually hooked me up with this and the, the animated prequel and said, you need to check these out. 
and uh, and I was just amazed. Both, and it was great to see this one on a big screen. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. The director and co-writer is Sang Ho Yan, and before this, he had only done animated movies. I know. And then, as he mentioned, the uh, the the animated prequel is called Soul Station, Soul Station, which you can look up. I think he just said it's on Shutter. Yeah, you can find that. So. Man, what a what a debut for a live action! Yeah, that's uh, crazy. So much crazy. The, the action that's staged so well. There's so many great set pieces. Some in slow mo, some not. That we'll recall maybe uh, some other movies, but he put put his own take on it. Probably the main one being Snowpiercer. It's going to remind a lot of people of Snowpiercer, which we love as well. Not only because. Train to Busan is on a train, but also some of the themes that it uh, addresses can remind you of Snowpiercer as well. Both are great. Really, really exciting, intense, and yeah, very, very uh, outright sad at the end. But bittersweet, shall bittersweet. we say, bittersweet. And it's one of the one of the most successful South Korean films. It cleaned up, and you can see why. Because you know, just the reaction here is kind of the reaction we get everywhere from people who haven't seen it. They love it. Yeah, I, I can ima- I can imagine that the entire country must have seen this thing. I mean, honestly, if I was Korean, I, I I'd it'd be criminal not to see it. That's that's how I feel about it. Yeah, and it's got some recognizable themes, you know, class warfare and uh, sacrifice mm-hmm. and things like that, but very indelible characters, even though you think you know where a lot of it's going, like the two guys who don't like each other at first, you know they're going to become frenemies. Yeah, yeah. You know they are, because you've seen it before, but that's all right. It, it ends up working, even though when, you, when you, you notice these tropes, it works. It is funny how they, he, they do play with a lot of familiar ideas, and a lot of familiar ideas that go back to, to Romero, you know, with the guy who's going to be in charge yep. and, you know, and a little girl and, and being trapped in confined space in a zombie movie is almost a given. But it's incredibly fresh. And I think even though all of the characters seem sort of archetypical, they were still so believable and, and lovable. I love that the pregnant woman was always smacking her husband. <laughs> <laughs> like he just went through three boxcars of zombies to save her in the bathroom and she just punches him in the peck. And he goes, ow. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. What did you think? Oh, I didn't expect the zombie movie to be so beautiful. Visually, for me, it was such a beautiful movie, and I'm thinking zombie movies aren't supposed to be this nice. (laughs) That is really true. Do you have a history before this in South Korean anime? Yeah, he did. uh, He did three films, all anime, before he did this one. I thought that certain scenes feel like something an anime director would do. It had a very anime feel to the visuals. The visuals, the setup, the action felt very anime at times, but not in the over the top way, in a beautiful way, like a Miyazaki film. Yeah, he certainly has an. I want Miyazaki to do a zombie movie now. That's that's my dream now. <laughs> All right. Well, it's pretty much unanimous. Train to Busan is a is a hit, and uh, there's a we, sequel coming out next year. Sequel coming out next year. Well, thank you guys so much for coming yeah, thank out. Thank you this, very uh, much. This podcast is going to be live in just a few days. Uh, in the meantime, we always love to keep the conversation going uh, on Twitter. You can find us for at Fright Club Pod on uh, Facebook and Instagram. It's Mad Wolf Columbus, and of course, the main website is MadWolf.com. Our next studio podcast on Fright Club is going to be about dogs. It is going to be about dogs. And then we're also, we'll do, we'll do one coming up on the best horror films of the decade. Wow. And then also, of course, the best horror films of the year. So. Yeah, we're getting ready to close out the year. We Incredible. Are. So until then, she is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf. And this is the Fright Club Podcast. Stay Fright, boy.